Hey, everybody. It's Christian Pedersen joined by Dan Dickow back for another Gonzaga Nation podcast. Thank you very much for everyone for tuning in to a mailbag edition. That's where we take your questions, give them to Dan, see what comes out of that beautiful basketball brain of his. Um, just I, untold amounts of knowledge and wisdom coming out of this guy every single week. Dan, let's go to the first question. And, you know, we've touched about this on um, – a couple of other podcasts recently that everyone should always go check out. But one of the people want to know specifically, like what does the first week or two of school look like for these guys? Are they already practicing? Is it just meetings? Are basketball players treated like conquering heroes when they arrive on campus? Um, are you guys the center of attention? Cause there's no football team. People just want to know what the start of school is like for the players. It might be different now, but, but when I was at Gonzaga, you know, I would uh, extend and stretch out my summer as long as possible. If, if we had our first meeting, for example, say on, on Monday, class starts on Tuesday for the year, I would drive up from the Portland area late Saturday, early Sunday and, and be back uh, down there as long as I possibly could. But uh, typically, you know, uh, with the fact that most of these guys stay in in summer school throughout the year, um, a lot of them just, you know, have kept their apartments or dorms almost throughout the year. So, you know, I, I can't really speak on exactly how that works now. But the first week or so of 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 the school year is very important for a couple different reasons. You're going to have your first team meeting. Um, and this one this year, I would imagine is a little bit different just because coach few is, uh, off with team USA at the feeble world cup as an assistant coach. Um, but that first team meeting is always very important, whether you're a freshman, whether you're a senior, uh, you're, uh, you know, slotted in as a starter, whether you're a possible walk on, it's an important meeting in the fact that, you know, a lot of times it can really set the tone for this season. You know, does the coach come in, uh, command everyone's attention, uh, demand eye contact? Does he have a message that is, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Uh, these are the things that we're going to be great at. We're going to set the tone in regards to our expectations in the classroom, how you handle yourself on campus, how you handle yourself off campus when you're just a regular college age student doing fun things. This is how we're going to handle ourselves when we have individual workouts, team practices. If we say practices at two, guess what? That probably means it's really 145 when you need to be there ready to go. Uh, all those things typically kind of get uh, mentioned in that first practice uh, or excuse me, in that first meeting. And, and so, like I said, it can really set the tone moving forward for the entire year. And then if you look at the entire first week, you know, it's an exciting time. It's a stressful time. And it's one of those things where you have that typical meeting, you get your first, you know, opportunity to get in your locker with all your new gear. So years ago, the Gonzaga equipment gear handout was this two pairs of shorts, like two shirts, uh, a pair of running shoes and a pair of basketball shoes for the fall. That was it. And then when you got to the, the regular season practice started, you get like two pairs of shorts two reversibles, uh, team issued sweats. And that was about it until maybe you got an extra pair uh, when it looked like you were making the NCAA tournament these days, because Nike elite uh, has Gonzaga under their umbrella. And they're one of the true blue bloods of, of gear. You know, these guys as lockers is like overflowing with stuff. So, you know, the amount of shoes and the amount of the gear, these guys get really um, it doesn't necessarily rival an NBA locker room, because what 
NBA guys get is is insane, but it's pretty darn close. So that's an important one in guys in a guy's eyes. But then you also have your initial first meetings with uh, you know, your professors. You go to class. If you need to change your classes uh, to better fit your um, you know, curriculum of what you need for your degree. The first week is the week you need to do it to get changed. Uh, and then meeting with any uh, tutors that you might be having throughout the year uh, to set up kind of a, a set routine and schedule of things is something that that you'll do as well. And then on the basketball and then, and then the weight room side, you know, that's the easiest part, to be honest with you. Guys have already been doing that throughout the summer. Uh, the returners have, have had a season or two or three of doing it already with the staff. So um, lots of things happen during this first week or so. Um, and, you know, because Gonzaga has such a extended support staff of academic advisors, tutors, uh, and athletic departments supports them, they make things as easy as possible on them as possible. You mentioned guys holding on to dorms and or apartments, and that made me wonder, where did you live first year on Gonzaga? And is there a statue or plaque erected at that location to here is where Gonzaga legend Dan Dickow lived? Wow. No. Uh, so my retro year, uh, Richie Fromm and I lived together. We were friends growing up down in the Vancouver area. And obviously he was a big reason, a big part of why I transferred to Gonzaga. So I transferred up and and we were, uh, we were, we, we had an apartment that we shared. Um, I, I want to say they were called Corkery Apartments right there on Sharp. On Sharp. Okay. Right okay. there on Sharp. You know, the, the, for all the old Gonzaga fans that, that listen to this, uh, you will know the name of this house. Younger people probably won't. 723 East Sharp was what was termed the basketball house. Most guys, not most, but a lot of guys on the basketball team live there. Uh, Mike Nelson, Ryan Floyd, Matt Santangelo lived there for a, a short bit. Eric Edelstein, who is now um, an actor in Hollywood, lived there. Um, it was a place where guys would just go get away um, and be normal college students and just hang out with teammates that were going through the same things. Uh, so seven, two, three sharp, uh, is memorialized in a, and ingrained in a lot of, uh, us, our heads as to be an important part of our college. My second year, I was going to, I lived for about a month off campus in a house with Casey Calvary, Anthony reason, and a, and a couple of Casey's high school buddies. But shortly thereafter, I moved out to do so apartments and uh, Jay Shirell moved into the house. I moved in with Mario Kassoon, who uh, was never able to be eligible from the NCAA. Uh, he was the Croatian who was uh, uh, would have been a game changer for Gonzaga. Played in the NBA for a number of years. Spent two years in Spokane trying to get eligible. The NCAA never uh, deemed him eligible. So we were roommates that year. And then my final year, uh, Richard Fox and Kyle Bankhead and I, uh, we were lucky enough to be in brand new apartments right off of Sharp um, Birch. I know that it, it was uh, it was an undercover casino, really, because Kyle and Richard and I uh, probably four or five nights a week. We had a poker game going. We would have randoms show up at our door, knocking on the door like, hey, is there a poker game going? We're like, who are you? We don't know you. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I intended for that question to wind up, but possibly the best revelation that we have had all summer long is that Dan Dickow could have taken a drastic career change as a, a casino pit boss. Uh, Dan, someone wrote in wanting to know more about what Nolan Hickman has been up to in terms of his charitable efforts this summer. You talked about that a little bit a week or two ago on the podcast. Have any more details you can share with us? 
Yeah, great question. You know, it, it goes to show uh, a little bit about the type of players and people that Gonzaga recruits and wants to be a part of the program. Nolan Hickman uh, has a heart to help others and, and be involved in the communities that he's living in. And during his time in Spokane, he's done a couple different clinics uh, at Shoot360, uh, the gym that I own. Um, it, in the summers, when he goes back to um, Seattle, he does his The Give Back Foundation Clinic. Five years now in a row, uh, he's done a clinic for for kids uh, in Seattle. And that's impressive for, for a young man like that as a sophomore in high school, because if you look at it, if it's year five, he would have had to start a foundation either as a sophomore or junior and get this going if it's year five. So um, he this past weekend, he did his big clinic over in the Seattle area. Uh, ben Gregg and Ryan Nemhart were there helping him out. Um, if you follow him or the Give Back Foundation on, on social media, mostly Instagram, you'll see a lot of uh, good video and, and good posts about some of the things that they were doing at that clinic. Absolutely love to hear that. Hopefully we can get him on the pod this season to talk a little bit more about that. Um, if not, if not just that and not even basketball, because uh, I'm sure that he'd be really passionate about sharing some of those stories. Last one. And this wasn't even actually a question. This was someone that le- this was a comment left in the Instagram comments that I kind of just want to pose to you as a question. And that is with all of the conference realignment stuff, Gonzaga just should go independent. Make just be freelance mercenaries for highest paid possible games the way that kind of like a Notre Dame has done for football. You know, what's funny is is you bring up that question. Obviously, we've talked about alignment, realignment a lot over the last couple of weeks. Uh, The Mountain West is actually meeting with Oregon State. uh, I believe it's today or tomorrow about joining their league. So is the Pac-12 completely done now? Because I would imagine... If they're meeting, there's some legs to that idea. And if Oregon State goes, what about Washington State? Where would that leave Cal and Stanford? But back to your point and your initial question about Gonzaga being independent, uh, this is a question, this is a comment, this is an idea that I've actually talked through with a number of people um, on a number of different occasions. It makes a ton of sense because Gonzaga is an outlier in regards to how good they are. They're an outlier in regards to uh, the branding they are nationally as strictly a basketball school. There's no football attached to it. When you look at most schools and and where they go based on realignment in conference, it's because of football. It's the strength of their football team. It's the, the amount of sheer money that can be generated by the league and the TV deals from their football team, where that's not the case with Gonzaga. So it is an interesting idea. Um, The only problem that I see is right now you look at, take, for example, you have a 30 game slate before you get to the postseason. Now you give or take one or two games here or there. When you have a conference that you're a part of, you already have a easy 16 to 18 games already slated for you which is what Gonzaga has in the WCC. So you essentially, you have to search out and figure out how to get 14-ish non-conference games, whether they're one-offs, um, you know, where you buy the game. Like, for example, Yale's coming to Spokane this year. That's a buy game. They pay Yale X amount of money. 
help cover Yale's costs to get out there to travel, play the game. And then Yale makes a little bit of money uh, to pocket and put back in their athletic department and fund their basketball program. Then you've got the made for TV games. That would be, I would imagine, you know, that's like the San Diego state games where both teams, I would imagine, make a little bit of money off of it. Then you've got your, um, MTEs, your multi-team events, your Maui Classic, your Atlantis tournament that Gonzaga was just announced that they're going to be in next year. Uh, you have those. So typically you're going to have about 14 games that are filled with those. That's 30 games you got to come up with. If you're an independent and you don't have those 16 games, 18 games with your conference that are, are just automatically filled up by the league, how do you fill those up? And where do you go to fill Basically those up? Becomes you have to do what they're doing with Kentucky right now, later in the season, where Kentucky is able to find a window in their own league play to be like, all right, we'll play you, Gonzaga. Uh, yeah. But to do, like you said, to do that spread out over 14 games seems logistically like you're doing one of two things. You're either playing, like you said, nothing but made for TV events, and you are now submitting Gonzaga to the ultimate gauntlet and probably not going to have the same win loss results. You might still get good seedings, but it's not going to be a little rockier and it's going to be a little tougher because you're constantly playing the best or you're just creating a logistical nightmare where they've got to start playing like four games a week early in the season. And then one game a week later in the, like it, it seems to fall apart on merit that you just like you said you just can't quite find enough games. well it's the it's what you said it's the scheduling logistical nightmare of doing it you're exactly right you, you might have a stretch during the during what would be deemed your conference schedule where you have you would have one game and maybe a 10-day stretch because you can't find any opponents that have openings in their schedules so it, it would be really difficult football's different and football's unique in the fact that you can't you physically can only play one game a week and you can even have a bye week in that college football season where, you know, you might play one game in, in, or three games in a month. Uh, that isn't necessarily how every program does it, but you could build that bye weekend if you want. Um, but the football schedules are done many times, three, four, five, six, seven years in advance basketball. You might have uh, contracts where it's going to be a recurring series, uh, for a three or four year stretch, a six year stretch, for example, with Kentucky uh, that we're in the midst of right now. But most of those games are scheduled um, in in the summer months where, you know, both teams have an idea of what their roster might look like and what they what challenges they might want. And they probably have an idea of what their budget looks like. Um, if you're a team that is looking for buy games like, hey, if I can go there and, and, and make 40 grand for my, my program, we got to go do it. Um, so, you know, I think it's the logistics. I think the thought process or the thought idea behind it is unique. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it would be, it would be cool if you could build your own schedule. Um, but I don't think it makes sense on the logistical side. Plus, why would you leave the WCC um, to where there's an automatic bid for the winner of the conference tournament to get to the NCAA tournament for the chance that we just have to absolutely be selected as an at-large. Yeah, and I'll and tell you why. Like you mentioned, what if you put a gauntlet of a schedule together and you struggle? <laughs> the absolute truth why is that if you play that gauntlet schedule, you make a ton of money. You play. You, could. you play a ton of big teams, big TV. You work with Apple to be like, hey, let's do a Gonzaga streaming pack. Like, it just becomes a money thing. It, it, you basically sell out the entirety integrity of Gonzaga's athletic program for pushing all the chips in on basketball is going to make us back every dime of it, no matter what. 
Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned Apple TV. That's the interesting one because uh, you know the more I've read over the last couple of weeks, especially since the the splintering of the Pac-12 is, you know, Apple is curious about getting into streaming sports and they've done it with, I believe MLS soccer. They've done a few one-offs here and there. Um, but when you think about it, Apple has all the resources, all the technology, but most importantly, they have more money than ABC, CBS, NBC, ESPN, all these companies to go out and buy the rights when they decide to push their chips all in on, on college sports. The way that Gonzaga has done the, or the way, I'm sorry, the way that Apple plus has done the MLS has been really, really interesting because you can purchase overarching subscriptions or you can do pay-per-view on singular games and the pay-per-view on singular games is tied into the rest of your Apple stuff. So it's not like you're signing in with a new credit card or anything. And you're like, Oh, 99 cents to watch today's Messi versus whoever on the MLS. Like, yeah. So like 99 cents to watch the four Gonzaga, like you mentioned in a previous podcast, they got that stretch of St. Mary's, Portland, Kentucky, St. Mary, like spend $4 to make sure you can have that on your phone, wherever you're like, it seems really enticing that you can convince a lot of people to spare a little teeny bit of money, but it overarchingly becomes a very profitable industry. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow because I think I think they're the next. Um, I don't know. I don't think you can call them a media entity. They're a they're a tech company that has a media arm in them. I guess is the way to describe it. But I think hey, they're going to be active next, and they're going to surprise some people with what they come up with. I would say that tech company and media arm are becoming this. Like that, they just are are hand in hand. Like, you see ESPN lays off a bunch of people. We're not necessarily in an era where you know who your team beat writer even is. Like we're, we're just in an era where you know how you get it and the consumption company. So absolutely think that Apple's getting in on that. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Dan, thank you for answering fan questions. Everyone make sure you subscribe to us by searching Gonzaga Nation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Fan Nation Zags. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon.